Jesus said to them, With desire, with great desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks, and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. There was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. But which is the greater, the one who sits at meat, or the one who serves? Is it not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Continuing on from our last lesson, Jesus now expresses his deepest heart's desire to eat this very last Passover with his disciples. And Jesus, now the very last Passover, would become God's Passover, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Dr. Mitchell points out that the Passover is a remembrance of an event, while the Lord's Supper is the remembrance of a person, Jesus, the Son of God, crucified for each one of us and raised again from the dead until he comes. Our Lord confirms the difference now between rulers and servants, between one who exercises authority and one who serves the Savior. Jesus served his Father, John 8, 29, where it says, He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Let's join Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 22, verse 15. And it gives me real joy and blessing to come to you in the studies of the gospel through Luke 
And I mean that when I say it gives me real joy and blessing to be able to talk to you and and try to communicate to you by the Spirit of God the wonderful truths of this gospel. I've been just thrilled with respect to the revelation of the character and the compassion and tenderness of our Savior and his great thought for those who love him. I couldn't help but think of that in this passage in Luke chapter 22, in which we're studying. And that verse which we close with in our last lesson, in verse 15, when Jesus said to them, with, with desire, with great desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Now he has reference here, by the way, uh, to his return to the earth to reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings when his kingdom will be set up, a kingdom wherein righteousness shall reign, and when our Lord will be known at that time as Jehovah said, can you, the Lord, our righteousness. Oh, the desire he had to be with these men. And I repeat it again, and I don't mind repeating things. I think this is tremendous that God should make the provision whereby you and I can have real fellowship with him. I'm sure as you read those verses, you wish you could have been among those men to sit at the table at the last Passover that our Savior had when he was on earth. The great desire I want to meet with you men as we look forward to the cross. In a few hours, he's going to be crucified. In a few hours, he's going to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In a few hours, he, the real Passover, is going to be crucified. It's hard for one to to begin to plumb the depths of the great love the Savior had for those who love him. And my friend, why don't you include yourself in that? If you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you really believe he's your Savior and Lord, you can enter into the same fellowship, into the same intimacy with the Savior himself. This is what he wants of you. This is why the Spirit of God indwells us, that we may have that intimacy of fellowship with himself. Remember, he's not going to drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Matthew 23 is very strong there when he said to the Jews, or the last words of that uh, that chapter, I leave your house unto you desolate, for I say unto you, I will not see you henceforth. He's speaking here uh, of the Jews. I will, you'll not see me henceforth until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And do you remember they're going to do that? According to Hosea chapter 5, verse 15 through chapter 6, verse 2. Again, at the Passover is the remembrance of an event. Now, starting at verse 19 and going through verse 20, we have the remembrance of a person. And I believe here we have the instigation of what we call the Lord's table, the communion service, mentioned by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 32. And will you notice what he says? And he took the bread and gave thanks, and break it and said to them, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do 
in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Notice, he says, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. Did you ever stop to think this was the only thing the Lord asked us to remember? And down through the centuries, God's people have remembered his death till he come. We remember the price he paid for our redemption. Then we look forward with hope to the coming of the Lord. We look back with gratitude. He put away our sins. He defeated death in the grave. He brought us into his family. He gave us eternal life. He joined us to himself. And now we look forward. For he said, If I go away, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We remember a person. All is in friend. Do you remember him in his death? Do you know him in his resurrection power? He wants us to remember him. God grant will be obedient. And when you come, go to your church, and they have the communion service, or whatever they want to call it, the Lord's table. Remember, when you go, it's not just a, a mere rite you're going through, a mere ordinance. You are remembering a person who loved you enough to die for you. You remember the fact that he's removed the barrier between you and God. Sin has been removed. And then on the ground of, the, of his death at the cross, he can come right into the very presence of God. You remember Hebrews 12 says that we have access within the veil. Uh, the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The veil was rent for us that we may have access into the very presence of God. And the blood of Christ has cleansed us from sin so that we stand before God without sin. Not only is there access into his presence, but we can stay in his presence because he's removed the barrier of sin between us. Oh, God grant that you and I may ever remember him. Now, someone may ask me, well, Mr. Mitchell, how often shall we remember the Lord's death till he come? You remember it as often as you want to. The Bible says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. We do it in remembrance of him. The first time that I ever had at the Lord's table, that is where we had this remembrance, was in a little humble home in Calgary, Alberta, and we got on our knees. It was one of the nights through the week. It wasn't a Sunday at all. It wasn't a Lord's Day at all. It was some night through the week. I may be about 11 o'clock at night. We'd had a little time of fellowship together with the Lord. I'd been saved only a few weeks, and the, the man of the house said, wouldn't it be a nice thing if we just remembered the Lord tonight? And I didn't know anything about it. And he, he, he got a little glass of grape juice and brought some bread in and about five or six of us were there we got on our knees and I'm telling you my friend it was really heaven to me to think that I could kneel there and remember the fact that he died for me that he died to put away my sin and that he died my death that I may go free I tell you it just seems to get right down into the very vitals of your heart so that I don't care when you have it as long as you remember him some people do it 
Some churches have it once every quarter. Some have it every month. Some have it every every Lord's Day. Uh, I I'm not. The Bible just says, as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you to show the Lord's death till he come. I don't care what day you have it or how often you have it. Only thing I say is, please, may he be the center, the object of your worship and your praise and adoration. To be filled with worship and thanksgiving to the one who died that you and I might live. And just as sure as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, just so sure are we that we will never again see our sins, that we're covered with the righteousness of Christ, and that we stand before God in all the beauty and merit and righteousness of the Savior. Oh, friend, Christian friend, what a wonderful thing. All the provision has been made by God for you, whereby you can come right into the very presence of God at any time and open up your heart to him. Oh, he loves this. He not only loved these men who were with him, but he loves you and me. And if I'm talking to someone today who's not a Christian, you've never really accepted the Savior. May I say, friend, God has made wonderful provision for you whereby you can come into his very presence and there have real fellowship with the living God. This is not a theory. This is a fact. You can experience not only his salvation and forgiveness, but you can experience a life of intimate relationship and fellowship with the Savior himself. Do this in remembrance of me. I say it's the only time the Lord asks us to remember him. We remember a person. Not remembering some experience that we have had or some doctrine we believe, but we remember a person. This is what I'm trying to get to your heart. You see, friend, Christianity is not a religion in the sense of just being a religion. A religion is made up of what you and I do. Ordinances, doctrines, you name it. I'm talking about a life. There are a great many people, if you were to ask them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? They would say yes. Do you believe that he was uh, nailed to the cross for your sins? They say yes. Do you believe he was raised from the dead and exalted to be a Savior? They would say yes. And yet, and yet, they may never have had real relationship with the Savior. Again, may I repeat it, life can only come through relationship. And friend, you can have not only this life in Christ and make him the object of your faith, but you can make him the object of your love, your adoration, your worship. We remember the one who took our place, the one who bore our sin, the one who removed the barrier, the one who defeated death in the grave, the one who has all authority at the right hand of God. And he can be your Savior. He is my Savior. Is he yours? Then enjoy him. A lot of folks enduring religion. Let us enjoy a Savior, a person, a wonderful, wonderful Savior. All oh, that men and women might put their trust in him. And then having put their trust in him, May they really fall in love with him because he ought to be the object of the love of every believer. I say that so that the next time you are coming to the Lord's table, will you remember it, please? Christ must be the center of your worship, of your praise, of your thanksgiving. And remember who he is 
and remember what he has accomplished for you and for me. Now, following that, verses 21 down through verse 23, the betrayer is revealed to the other disciples. And it's possible that he went out after the Passover feast. Behold, the, man, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. Now, I would suggest you read Matthew uh, chapter 26 and also John chapter 13 with respect to the question of Judas. I don't want to go any further into it. I've already mentioned this question of Judas at the beginning of the chapter. I'm just going to pass along. Now, from verses 24 to 30, our Lord turns and rebukes the disciples because of pride. Now, notice it. And there was also a strife among them. You know, it's difficult for one to realize that these disciples were still real men, frail, weak men. After our Lord had just said, I want to eat this Passover with you, then afterwards to instigate the Lord's table to remember him, then they began to have a little quarrel among themselves. There was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. But which is the greater, the one who sits at meat or the one who serves? Is it not he that sitteth at meat? but I am among you as he that serveth. Let me just stop there a moment where he rebukes their pride. You see, they were still self-occupied, and yet he was still tender with them. When we get to 28 or 30, we'll see how he commands them. But for the present, let me remind you that how our Lord loved these men in spite of all their weaknesses. But he has to rebuke their pride. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? That's a logical, reasonable question raised among men. Who's going to be the first one? It's so so human. We see today men, men will walk over other men. What for? To get to a place of prominence. This should not be. This should not be in the family of God. He that shall be greatest among you let him be as one who serveth. And our Savior, he raises the issue. Who is the greater, the one who sits at meat or the one who serves? Of course, the answer is the one who sits at meat. But Jesus said, well, I'm not. I'm among you as one that serveth. In other words, service is the outflow of a humble spirit, a great spirit. It's so easy and yet he rebukes their pride. What is the root sin? Pride. What caused Satan to fall? Pride. What causes so many people among God's people to fall? Pride. They want to be somebody. Now notice, he calls them to a place of service, separated unto service. This is what he wants. 
now to encourage them, in verses 28 to 30 said, But you are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit upon thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You see, I again repeat what I've said before. Humility is a sign of greatness in the kingdom of God, and it is manifested in service. Humility manifested in service. Humility, sign of greatness. You have this all through your Gospels, and it's manifested in service, which is so contrary to the ways of men. So you have in these verses, our Lord rebukes their pride, he calls them to separation to service, and then he encourages them with hope in 28 to 30. You know, the Lord always does that. He really commends them after having rebuked them, then he commends them. He said, you who have continued with me in my temptations, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit upon thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In other words, our Lord is, is prophesying what he's going to do for them and with them when our Lord returns. I do not know what great place these twelve have in the coming kingdom of God. One is very much tempted to go into the book of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22, uh, and you read a passage like this. You remember Peter one time said to the Lord, Lord, we've given everything up for you. What do we get out of it? Do you remember that? And the Lord says, well, anybody who sacrifices for me and for the kingdom of God, God's not going to be in your debt. God won't be in your debt. He'll take care of you and he will reward you according to your faithfulness to him. Again, may I repeat it? God never rewards greatness. He rewards faithfulness. And when a man is humble before God, he will be faithful to God, manifested in obedience to his word. And our Lord Jesus Christ is the personification of meekness and of humility. You remember in Matthew eleven twenty-nine. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. This is so contrary to human nature, fallen nature. It's so contrary to what men dream and men plan. Just so contrary. I say this because I believe today too much of the world's spirit has gripped the church of Christ. How often churches have been split and the, and the ministry of the gospel hindered because somebody in the assembly or some member of your board wanted to be somebody. They wanted to be somebody. They wanted to run things. No, friend, Jesus said, I am among you as one that serveth. Oh, I tell you, friend, I need it, and I think all of us need this lesson where the Lord Jesus rebukes them for their self-interest for their self-occupation, for their pride, and having rebuked them, uses himself as an illustration of what real humility is, then turns round and encourages them that when it comes to the kingdom, they're going to sit upon thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And it's just like the Lord, isn't it? He rebukes them and he encourages them. 
I say again, he called, he rebuked their pride, he called them to separation unto service, and then encouraged them with hope. And he's the same Savior today for you and for me. God grant a weak Christians will so walk before God that Christ will be ever manifested in us and through us. The Lord bless you today. Light, light, the dawn that covered me Inside Christ's real Outside I see for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.